Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. Good to see you guys. You guys sound like the weather. How you guys doing? All right, I am glad to be here with you guys today. Um, I am not kidding. I really did miss you guys. Uh, we, we went to, uh, got to visit a couple of different churches, one on the uh, first Sunday and then on the back end of the week or the first part of the week, whichever you want to look at it. Um, and it was really cool. It was, you know, I got to see some old friends, uh, just little, little God things. Um, I have a friend who used to be in this area and moved to work at a church in southern Georgia, right near the Florida Georgia line, not the really bad country uh, rock group, but near the actual location. Um, and I knew he was down in that general area, and we stopped at a hotel on the way down, you know, to break up the trip a little bit, the whole way down to Orlando area. And I got up early before the rest of the family. I was eating the magnificent breakfast at the hotel. And I was like, I wonder how close I am to uh, my friend John. And so I just Googled his name. I couldn't remember the name of the church. Googled his name. And would you believe that we were 2.2 miles away from his church? And I was like, that's so awesome. And so I jumped in the car and, you know, went and hung out with him for a second and um, got to, you know, see his church down there and how God's blessing them. And it was really cool. Um, and it was a great place. The people were nice. And uh, the following weekend, we went to church with some family on our way back out of town. Um, and that was a really cool thing. We got to see our cousin uh, help lead worship. And that was a really neat experience. But I'm telling you, it's not the same. Um, we got a really special church here. And I know that sounds self-serving. Maybe it sounds like, you know, of course I'm biased. It's like, I've got some pretty great kids. You know what I mean? I, but, it's, you know, and that's the way people look at it. But for real, there's just a, a different feeling. And I don't say that just because I feel that way, but I hear you guys say. I hear things said directly to me. I hear things sort of filtered through about how our church is a church that really tries to love people well. Do we get it perfect? No. Because you're here. No, I'm, all of us are here, right? We're all imperfect. Do we get it perfect? No, but we love each other as best we can. And we try to live out the gospel. We try to be real and sincere. And that's a big buzzword. That's a big catchphrase. Oh, we're authentic. We're real. But I've seen it more here than I've seen it any other place. It's not just a word, it's a way of life. We're trying our best to be real and authentic with each other, with God, so He can do change in us to help change this world. And so I'm glad that you guys are here. I want to share a story with you from Mark chapter 4. Of course, you can look on your screen as always or on your, in your Bible or on your phone. Mark chapter 4, and um, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and we're kind of doing it sort of, you know, uh, we've got a lot of plan here, but we're not covering every part in the, in the Gospel of Mark, but we're hitting some of the highlights. And um, this chapter, if you notice towards the beginning, talks about the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils or the seeds, whichever way you want to look at it. You might call it by different names. But I've preached on that quite a few times, and I decided, hey, I'm going to hop over that passage because we've touched on that. And you can go back and look through our messages we've got pretty much all of our messages at least for the past three years or so online where you can go and listen to them a lot of them you can go back and watch on Facebook and so you can go back and look for that if you want to hear a message about that but I want to look at the last part of the chapter 
And there's a really interesting story that Mark records. You know, we, we talked about early on that this could be called the Gospel of Peter. Um, you know, because he gave a lot of the testimony to Mark, so he wrote it down. And so uh, if you read through, you can see a lot of the abruptness of Peter as you're reading this Gospel. And, you know, it's kind of like bullet points, like hit, hit, hit. We got to go. We got things to do, right? This is Peter. And so here's where we pick up. It says, on that day when evening had come, this is verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, uh, was, in, he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Um, I have uh, spent a little bit of time on the water. I grew up in the eastern part of the state. There's tons of like big bodies of water around there. And I've done um, a, a couple of deep sea fishing trips, not like the full big charter boats, but like the big head boats. And so you go a long ways out. And um, uh, my good buddy here, uh, Joe, um, he invited me and my boys to go on one of those big headboats out of Moorhead City, Atlantic Beach, uh, a few weeks ago. And it was an experience of a lifetime. I will tell you, it was, uh, we went about 30 miles out, 35 miles out, out to, you know, the Gulf Stream, out in the middle of the ocean where, you know, it's just a castaway waiting to happen, right? Except there's no land that you can see. And so we're out there, and we get out early morning, man, it's beautiful, and I am been around the water enough, and I've you know driven boats, and I know a lot of people who are you know watermen and water women, right? They're fishermen. They go out, and so I know this thing. Have you ever heard the old saying, um, "Red sky uh, at night, sailors delight; red sky at morning, sailors take warning." There was red sky at morning. It looks beautiful on land, and you're like, "Oh, look at this! I don't usually see the sunrise. This is gorgeous. Holy junk!" We got on that boat and started heading out, and it was smooth, and we got past the breakwater, and man, we're on this, I mean, it's probably every bit of 75 feet long boat. I mean, this is not a little dinghy. This is not, you know, the SS Minnow. This is a huge, massive boat that holds a couple hundred people, and we're out there, and that thing is like, and water is splashing up, and we got there really early. You're supposed to be out there way before dawn, and so we're like, hey, we're doing good, man. We got all out there early on the boat and we get there and there's a bunch of people sitting at the back of the boat just waiting on us and we're like hmm that's interesting okay must be a good spot to fish I don't care if they caught one fish they knew they would not get soaked in the back of the boat in the front is where you get soaked and we were up front and I'm telling you it was great water was just coming up and it was summer but that water is cold I'm telling you it is cold and we got soaked and on the way out there we went about 30 miles non-stop and I was sitting like from the bow the seats in the bow I was sitting about five down from you know the rest of our group and they got soaked and I got a little bit wet the girl beside me she starts you know pretty quickly and I'm like oh this is nice you know I'm like oh poor girl and um, the other, my kids and stuff, and it started feeling a little bit queasy. And anyway, we were like, okay. And so we stopped. We get out there. We fish for like 30 seconds. We put the lines over, and they're like, that means pull your uh, line up. And they got to move. And so we go, I think, back actually five miles. And so we go back to about 30 miles out. And we're thinking, okay, this is not going to be that bad. We're heading in. 
you know, the sun's out. It looks pretty, but it's just rough. And we absolutely get drowned. I mean, it is unreal. I, I'm like, okay, God, I'll go to Nineveh. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I saw this fish swimming up, eyeballing me, you know, and I'm like, oh, and I mean, we got, I mean, soaked. And, and so we were standing up because it was just, so we were like riding the, the boom, the boom. And it was, it was like we were getting whipped because the water would just doosh and just come over and just soak us. And we get a, a break and we're like, okay, I'm getting used to it. I'm stopping shaking. I'm holding on to this handrail. I'm getting used to it. And then just as I was getting used to it, it was like, goof, and get us again. And then one by one, I mean, like they were getting sniped. My, my boys started getting sick. And it was, I'm talking, and I know there are much, it wasn't even a storm, y'all. I've seen stories, and I've seen the perfect storm, and I've seen uh, all these different things that can happen out at sea. I have a friend who was in the Navy, and he was on a, a, a carrier. I think it might have been the same one that Steve was on at a different time. But he talked about a regular thunderstorm out in the open ocean. The waves will wash over the top of a 40, uh, 40-foot carrier. I mean, just, just go over. And so I know I haven't seen anything, but I thought I was going to die. And a couple of times I was like, I'm okay with it, Lord. I'm okay, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to go, you know, because it was rough, but we still had a good time, lots of good memories, got a good story out of it anyway, right, and we got some good seafood that we did not catch when we got back, um, we paid somebody else for their seafood, but it was still, what I'm saying is, it is scary to be out in the open ocean when a storm comes up or when it's rough, it's unnerving, and I want to bring into your mind the context of these guys who were on this boat. Not all, but many of them were guys who grew up as fishermen on the water. They were on this very body of water. They had seen some storms. And this one was next level, right? Are, are you, you seeing that? You, you're getting in the depth of what's going on here? And it says that the, they took him in the boat. They started heading on. And a great windstorm arose. The waves were breaking into the boat. I can relate to that. So that the boat was already filling with water. But Jesus, Jesus is in the stern, in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion, just chilling. Now, um, Josiah, I think he was the first one to get sick. He went and he went to sleep pretty quick and he ended up sleeping a lot of the day. And so you can get sick and then you can go to sleep and that sort of, you know, quells the sickness a little bit. But Jesus was just relaxing. He was just taking a little nappy nap, right? He's like, it's been a long day. I've had a lot of people around me. It says the crowds were there when they left. And he's like, and we see this. We've already pointed out in this series that Jesus, when a crowd would gather, he would do what he needed to do. He would feed them maybe or he would heal people. And then finally he was like, I've got to get away a little bit. I got to get away. And that's what he did this time. They get in the boat. The storm comes, and he decides, I'm just going to take a nap. And everybody else, these great, big, bad, tough fishermen and all the other guys, you know, Simon the Zealot, who's this warrior, he's like, nobody can defeat me, not these silly waves. You know, that's probably the attitude he had. And so he's like, no, but they are all, I mean, holding on for everything, thinking they are going to die. And it explicitly says, this is what I love about the Bible. Because, I don't know about y'all, but if I'm being honest and I'm being real, I don't always believe perfectly. <gasps> Are y'all the same way? Do you, every situation, every awaiting on a test result, every bad thing, do you always think, I know that Jesus is going to take care of it and so I'm at total peace. 
Most of us aren't like that, are we? And sometimes if we don't read the Bible, we think that that's the way that Bible people were. The, I hate to call them characters because they were real people, but the people that are recorded in the events in the Scripture, we think, oh, well, they just had this perfect faith and because we get a few sentences maybe or we get a few paragraphs and we just get the highlights and we get the 30,000-foot view. But right here it says, while he was in the stern asleep on a cushion, they woke him and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? In the storms of life, it often feels like God's sleeping, doesn't it? Don't worry, it is cloudy, but I don't think you get struck by lightning for agreeing. So y'all ain't even going to agree with that. You're like, mm, I ain't saying it. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> It feels like sometimes when life is going bad that God is sleeping. Is that true? Am I the only one that has ever felt that way? We wonder why isn't God moving? Why isn't God acting? Why isn't he answering my prayer? Why is this thing or these events, why are they happening to me? It feels like sometimes that God is sleeping while the earth is shaking and quaking and the waves are piling up and filling up our boat. And you wonder... You wonder if God even cares. Just like the disciples. Does that feel blasphemous to you? Is that why you don't want to agree? <laughs> I'll be honest, it's hard to say, but these guys walked with Jesus and they saw his miracles firsthand. They had seen the guys cut the hole in the roof and drop the guy down and him say, ultimately, in a roundabout way, I'm God. And so I'll forgive his sin and I'll make him walk. They had seen this, and yet still they were like, wake up, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you hear us screaming? Don't you hear us? Don't you care what's going on? In verse 39, it says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I can almost see Jesus sort of like stumbling, you know, just kind of rolling off, rolling off the cushion in the stern of the boat and just sort of groggily, you know, just rubbing his eyes, you know, getting the sleep out of his eyes. I can just see him just frustrated, right? Because you finally get to sleep in, right? You finally get to sleep in. And if you got kids, you know exactly where I'm going with this. You finally get to sleep in and your eyes close, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you wake up to dad, mom. Mom, 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 can you go turn off the light in my room? You mean the light you just walked by and walked into my room? A am I telling the truth? Yeah. And it's like, Jesus is, I need rest. And he's like, okay, whatever. He rolls off, he gets up, and I can almost see it, you know. I mean, he, it says, he says, peace. I, he he might have shouted it. I don't think that's wrong to think that he might have just raised his voice to, to get over the din of the storm, you know. Peace, be still. But do you know who I think he was talking to maybe more than the storm or in addition to the storm? I think he was talking to the guys in the boat. He's saying, 
Peace, be still. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that you can be calm even in the midst of storms? And here he turns to them and he says, in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Is it fair to say that Jesus might say that to you and me today? When your storm's raging, when your earth is shaking, when your boat's filling up with water, isn't it fair? Maybe you've called out and you're like, God, why don't you care? Why don't you care? You think Jesus might say, do you still have no faith? In verse 41 it says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So I believe we can understand that their fear shifted from the storms and dying to whose presence are we in? And it's easy to judge these people because Jesus drops these big like hints over and over again about who he is, but they still didn't get it. And we know three and a half years later, they still didn't get it. But it's easy to judge that. But you look and you're like, God has shown up time and time and time again. Jesus has shown up time and time and time again. Even if you've had a horrible life, even if your storms have been bigger than everybody else's, he's always shown up and he's saying, don't you know? And they were afraid, not necessarily of the storm anymore because the storm was gone. But they were afraid of who he was because they were in the very presence of God. And it's normal. It's normal to wonder when God will wake up and show up. <laughs> Sorry. I can't ignore it. It's normal to wonder when God's going to wake up and show up. But here's the thing. You ever been frustrated by the fact that it seems like God never does things the way that we think he should? Or seldom does? All right. I don't know if you guys remember me. My name's Bobby, and I like to talk, and I like you to talk back to me a little bit too. It's good to meet you. I was just going for two Sundays, one week, like eight days. Eight days. I got ID to prove if you need to know who I am. Y'all got to talk to me a little bit here. Do you ever, ever just sit there and feel like, ever feel like, you know, God, this is the way I would have done it. Why don't you do it this way? This is what I'm asking for, Father. This is exactly the way I want you to answer my prayer. And the solution that I have, that I have to tell myself, and that I tell you guys pretty frequently is this. I guess he's God and we're not. I've got to be reminded of that. He's God and we're not. We think we know all the right answers, but most of the time, we're not even asking the right questions. We've got to trust that He is, and in our frustration, in our pain, in our worry, in our fear, have you ever considered this? The worst thing God could do would be to rescue us from every trial and give us everything that we want here on earth. I'm going to say that again. Have you ever considered that the worst thing that God could do for us is to rescue us from every trial and give us everything that we want right here on earth? If we're being truthful, we'd probably say, no, that'd be fantastic. But we don't always know the right question or the right answer. 
And here's the problem. If he did, if he did give us everything, and if he snatched us out of every trial, the moment that it hits, we would never, ever look for something more. If he would make this life just peaceful and perfect, we would never, ever look for something more. And the truth, the reality, the sad fact is, is that this would be the best that it ever gets. Now, I'm not kidding. This world can be an amazing place. It's, got, it's beautiful. I mean, you go and you see some of the most amazing creations that God made. And you see man-made stuff that God gave us the wisdom and the mind to make. You have family. You have friends. You have laughter. You have money to buy things. You have all these different things. It, it can be an amazing place, but it's not completely the way it's supposed to be. And we don't have the perfect presence of God. Yes, we've got the Holy Spirit in us if you're a Christian. But we don't get to see Him face to face yet. That's the way He created us to be in the garden. But Adam and Eve screwed it up and we've screwed it up ever since. And so if He always snatched us out of every situation, every hard time, every trial, and He gave us exactly what we wanted, when we wanted it, we would never ever search for anything more. And we'd think, I'm good here. And we would never, ever long for the presence of God. And that, my friends, is a terrifying thing. C.S. Lewis said, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Because this world, no matter how good it can be, and we also know it can be very bad, but if this world was always good and we didn't have the presence of God, would you still want God? Or do you like what you've got here in a really good sense completely enough? Would it be nice if God would automatically jump in and pull us from every struggle? Yeah, it would, it would seem like that. Would it be nice if every rain cloud just passed on by and didn't drop any rain and ruin our fun plans? It would be until harvest season came around, wouldn't it? Because it takes some rain to grow some of the crops. And it takes some rain to, to grow the, the fruit in our life. And then we wish it would have rained. And we're like, God, why didn't you let it rain? Well, you prayed for it not to rain, and I answered your prayer. Because we don't have the proper perspective all the time. And so we need to open our eyes up. There's a, a, a country song that's uh, pretty popular right now that has a lyric that says, I wish high school home teams never lost. And it's, it's a song, you know, it's like a lot of country songs, it's real, you know, nostalgia and that kind of thing. And so I wish high school home teams never lost. And the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, let's think here. I know I'm putting a lot of thought into a country song. But I said, roughly in most sports, especially basketball, football, half your games are home games and half your games are away games. So if home, high school home teams never lost, that means that everybody at the end of the season would have a 500 record. They'd have the same amount of wins, the same amount of losses, because half your games are at your home and half your games are at somebody else's home. And, but we pray that kind of prayer. You know, it's like, God, let it be perfect for me right here, right now, because we don't have the right understanding and perspective. And we get to the end of the life, we get to the end of the day or the end of the year, and we're like, why, why didn't you give me what I wanted? But who wants to pull for a team that only wins half their games, right? You know, somebody's got to lose if somebody's got to win. And sometimes in life, other things that we view as, as winning might be losing, and some things we think of as losing might be actually winning. But in the moment, that kind of thing sounds good when it's your team 
or your situation, you want your prayer answered the exact way you want it answered, and you can't think of any other reason why it would not be good for it to be answered the way you want it in the time that you want it. I'm not going to be a jerk and stand up here and say, yes, there, there are prayers that you pray and have prayed and I've prayed that we won't answer the way we want them and we can't even fathom another answer because it breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts, you know, the situation. Because our hearts are breaking from the pain of loss or the fear of the unknown. I understand that. I understand that completely. In 1914, in World War I, before the United States really got involved, they have what was called the Christmas Day Truce. You may have heard about this if you're a history buff, where the Allied, mostly British forces, were lined up against the German forces there in World War I, and they had been fighting a bloody battle. It was a horrible time. And as Christmas rolled around, they decided to have a Christmas Day Truce and they did some really neat things. They stopped fighting for a couple of days there, or at least for a day, and they went over and they started singing Christmas carols together. They started jumping in with one another across the enemy lines, and then a few people got brave, and it was said that some of the German soldiers actually came over and started saying Christmas greetings in English that they knew. And so they all began to trust one another. They saw no weapons, and so they all go out, and it says they exchanged gifts from their, their food that they had in their trenches. And there's even uh, accounts of a, a soccer match breaking out in the middle of the field that just the day before had been full of death and blood. And that sounds amazing, and it is such a neat story that they could do that because really the people in the trenches, they were just doing what they were told, right? They probably didn't have a lot of hatred for one another, but it was the higher-ups that were pushing this battle. And so they had a moment of peace. But you know what they started doing the very next day? They went back to killing each other. And I want you to think about it this way. I want you to think about it. Is that it was beautiful for a moment, but the peace wasn't lasting. Peace without God's presence is no peace at all. And sometimes we want, uh, like, God, just give me this moment's peace. But if we don't have the presence of God in that peace, it's only going to go away just as quickly as it came. And we've got to wake up. And think about it this way. How about with our own kids or when we were kids, if you don't have kids? If you give your kid every comfort and never let them suffer pain or consequences, do they generally love their parents more or less? As a rule, they tend to love their parents less, uh, you know, or they don't show them love and kindness and respect as much. I, I mean, we all know the stories of kids who got everything they wanted and turned out to be loving, productive citizens. Am I right? No, they're little jerks. Right? Isn't that how it usually turns out? You know, they take advantage of people and they expect everything handed on, hand them to them on a platter and they aren't really nice people because they got everything they wanted. They never had to suffer any consequences for anything they did. And while it stinks, it stinks. I used to laugh at my parents when they said, this punishment is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And nine times out of ten, it really does hurt the parents more, doesn't it? We don't want to see our kids suffer, but we don't want them to be little jerks either. <laughs> We want them to grow up to be kind and decent people who love God. And so we understand, you know, we say, God, just a little more money and I'll be happy. Give it to me, please. But what did Jesus say? 
Mark chapter 8, verse 36, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? So God says, I can't always give you exactly what you want when you want it. Because peace without God's presence is no peace at all. So what do we do when we're clinging to the mast in the midst of a storm? When you wonder if anybody cares, if there'll ever be a break in the waves, if you can handle any more bad news or any more setbacks, what do we do? Here's three things I want to give you really quickly to get you started. And for most of us, if not all of us, this is a, a lifelong wrestling match of not being angry because we don't think that God cares and we think he's asleep and he's not answering the way we wanted. It's a lifelong wrestling match, but here's three quick things that I want you to do to help start somewhere. The first one is this, ponder the promise and the past faithfulness of God. That's a preacher thing. We like to use alliteration to hopefully make it stick in your brain a little bit. Ponder the promises and the past faithfulness of God. When the struggle comes, we tend to focus on the mountain rather than the mountain maker. Isn't that true? When the struggle comes, we tend to focus on the mountain in front of us rather than the one who made the mountain. And it's always been a struggle. And that's why God had to tell Moses to tell the people in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 3. Now here's a good chunk of scripture, but I want you to listen. Everybody wake up. It says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may be multiplied greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. God promised them these things. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you, Today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He wants us to repeat his commandments and his promises. Why? Here's why. Verse 10. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then you take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Why did he say repeat this? Why did he say tell it over and over again? Why did he say write it everywhere you can think to write it? Because we forget how good God has been to us. Over and 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 over again. We live in houses that most of us didn't build. And we build them with money that most of us don't deserve. We eat food that God graciously supplies to us. We have life, we have breath in our lungs that we did not control or make or say to come into us. And we forget just how good God is. We need frequent reminders of God's goodness. So I'm telling you this, I sound like a broken record, but go and read the Bible every single day. I used to apologize for that because I struggled with it and I knew how hard it was and it's hard to make it a routine and we say, oh, well, it'll become a habit and you don't really mean habits. Bull. 
we love our kids, we want to talk to them every day. And God wants to talk to us every day. He wants us to hear what he has to say. So spend time in God's word every day. We've started another uh, Bible plan that we want to invite you to be a part of. You can go on our church app. You can find a link. If you can't find it, let us know. We'll let you know. We want as many people as possible to just be reading the same devotional thoughts and scriptures every day just to build that, that strength together so we can sharpen one another. We can tell our stories about how God's been good. And that's another thing I want to encourage you to do. Write down the blessings of God. Because when the winds blow and the storms come and the water's filling up the boat, it's easy to forget that God gave you the breath to even get on the boat. And we want to blame Him. So write down the good things, the blessings, even the blessings and the struggles and the trials that you've been through, the things you've learned, the things that you've seen. Write them down so you can go back and look. I, I struggle with doing that, but I've been doing that off and on for a few weeks now. And I was having a tough week this week. Satan was just coming after me. He was attacking me. And one of the things I've learned is that when I'm preparing messages, a lot of time the enemy likes to attack me in that particular area. And so he was trying to remind me that God hasn't been there for me, but it's a lie. He was trying to remind me that I need to look at the storm rather than look at the one who controls the seas. And so I was listening. So I went back and I looked at those blessings, those things that I wrote down over the past few weeks. And I was able to say, you are good, God. You are good. So you look at his word, you look at his blessings in your own life, and then secondly, consider this. Consider the character of God. So you ponder the promises in the past faithfulness of God. You consider the character of God. When life gets rough and rocky, it's easy to think that God has it out for us, and a lot of people believe that lie. He's just a mean God, and he's just up there toying with us. And there are a lot of theologies that have led many of us to believe that God causes evil and that he chooses every path and that we don't have any choice or free will. But I believe that doesn't line up with Scripture, what you see overall. And, and that's a deep subject that I, we can't really get into today and give it the justice that it needs. But the character of God is merciful and gracious. We spent several weeks a, a while back talking about that. And our series called God Has a Name. I encourage you to go back and listen to that again or for the first time. About God's character. He's merciful and gracious. He's full of love. And he makes sure that justice is handed out. But God is good and he's faithful and he's true. And we need to remind ourselves of that. The Bible tells us over and over and over again that God is good. Look at James chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God doesn't change. He is good. He is good. He is good. So when the storms of life rage and you start to doubt, remind yourself. Remind yourself of what you see in God's character. Could there be another force at play if life is going really bad? Is there sin and its consequences in the world? Yes. Sin and death came into this world from disobeying God, not from God. It's from not listening to God that those things entered into our world and our lives, and we still deal with them, even if it's innocent people dealing with them. So consider God's character. And the last one is this. Look for the lesson. This is hard. This is hard. Very difficult. But look for the lesson in what is going on. It's difficult to understand how God can know the outcome and not cause it. 
But there again, he's God and we're not. (laughs) But even in this broken world, God has taken these broken parts and people and continually creating something new out of the broken pieces of our lives. In James chapter 1, verse 2, beginning there, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He's saying, deal with the trials that come your way because they're growing you so that you can become more mature. That you can become more mature. Maybe this trial that you're going through now is preparing you for something bigger that could break you in two. So learn what you can in this trial because it's going to prepare you for the one that comes next. What in the midst of your pain is God doing with the brokenness? Ask that question. Plead, beg, ask God to help you see. What are you doing with my pain, God? Forgive the simplicity, but I was a trendsetter when I was a kid. I was on the cutting edge. Um, I had a lot of family that worked in the Newport News shipyard. And before they became a current thing that everybody got access to that you could buy in Walmart, I got to play with glow sticks before anybody else for the most part, you know? I was the deal. When I'd go on vacation, we'd be at the pool playing with those glow sticks. Everybody wanted those things. Like, whoa, what is that? You know, it was just like they hadn't seen them. They weren't sold to the general public. They were used in shipbuilding down in the dark places. And, and it was an amazing thing, and I loved them. But you know what? I learned as I watched and played with those things time and time again, I learned a valuable lesson. The glow stick doesn't glow until you what? You break it. Some of you have some of you have felt the breaking in ways that I can't even understand. But we've all felt the breaking. But I've lived enough life to see your stories and many other people's stories and my story to look back and see that even though there was breaking because of sin and death and all these things in the world that that affect us whether we cause it or not and sometimes we do cause it ourselves let's be honest but all that brokenness all that pain that God still used me and he still uses you and other people to glow once we're broken to shine light on Him so that people can see Him. And even in the midst of our pain, He's doing great things. And so look, search with all your might to see what God is teaching and growing in you when you suffer, when you struggle. And know that even though God didn't cause this, He is working for your good. We know the passage of Scripture is quoted so many times. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know what, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who were called according to His purpose. I want you to notice a couple of quick things there. It doesn't say God causes all things. It says He causes all things to work for good. For those that are, here's the next big thing, called according to his purpose. He is trying to pull things to bring glory to him and make your life mean something. He is working, he is shaping, he is forming, he is rebuilding, he is rebirthing everything through you and in you so that other people can see his glory and get to know him too and experience the life and the joy that you do too. God is working 
He's guiding. He's preparing. He is molding, and he's shaping you and I. And yes, sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. And sometimes we're like, wake up, God. Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you awake? So as those storms rage, and you can't see land, instead of focusing on the storm, focus on the Savior who created the seas that is in your boat. Easier said than done, isn't it? But I believe if you go to his word and you remind yourself of how good and faithful God's been in the past since time began, but also in your life, You remind yourself of how good God is. And if you write down his blessings to you to remind yourself exactly what he's done, even in the bad situations, even in the difficulties, but also in the great times, and you pray for wisdom to see what he's doing and how you can be used, I believe that you'll start to be able to focus on the Savior in the boat more than the storms that seem like they're going to sink the boat. I know that all of you are going to go out of here today and you're never going to worry again, right? (laughs) But here's what I want you to think about. This is incredibly difficult to do on your own. Because when you go out, you hear the voice of the enemy whispering in your ear and he'll say, God's not good. And that might be true for other people, but it's not true for you. I've heard it loud and clear. And when I'm distant, from our family that's when I hear those voices louder and louder and louder and you get down and you get discouraged and you get further pushed away and you push people away we need the family we need the church together to remind ourselves so they can tell you their good stories and how God has used them and you can see it in their lives and they can see it in yours we need each other so more than ever draw together as the family of God and celebrate the goodness of our God even when this world is not Because we're in this boat together and some of our storms are different and some of our storms are much worse but we've got each other and we've got our God and so maybe you need to say I want to renew my commitment to do these things we've talked about but I also want to renew my commitment to our family together we want to invite you to be all in here at movement to really say hey I'm here to be counted and I'm gonna help do whatever needs to be done to help God's glory shine in this world maybe your first step is to become a Christian maybe you need to be baptized into Christ maybe you need to say I need to come back I've already done those things but I need to come back and recommit my life whatever it is let's do it and let's celebrate how good God is it's open today right after we as we sing but it's also open anytime let's know what we can do to help you move closer to God because God is good even when this world is not thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast want to learn more about us you can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC